Welcome back to the Appalachia. I'm Jeremy, and hopefully you guys are doing good wherever you're listening from. We're back to using <laughs> the old setup, so I've got the phone on some boxes and stuff, and it's all because the new phones, I upgraded my phone, and the new phones don't seem to have an audio jack, and that fucking sucks. So the advertisement money that I'm looking at right now which is close to being $15. Finally. Um, once I started putting ads on everything. We're, we're almost getting it to where I can almost start affording something. Some cheap ass Bluetooth microphone or something that I can use for this. And hopefully that will make it sound a little bit better. Or I could probably start doing it on the computer. I'll have to check into that. But... No matter what, I'm going to figure out how we're going to do this, but I've really got to upgrade a setup because having this on a bunch of boxes is not really working out like I want it to. So, uh, before we get into anything, right now, Cabell County, uh, there's a couple places that are striking right now. I just want you guys to know, especially Brother Hatfield, you know, uh, you know we're all here with you and uh support you uh definitely pro-union in this household and you know these big corporations and companies and shit they just step on their with their workers they don't really give a shit and a lot of folks that, that don't support the union that, that are scabs or you know cross those lines uh you know i can't really say i have any respect for so i'm uh I guess what I'm trying to say is just hold the line, and you guys have have our respect as far as this household goes. Heron Fest was last weekend, and it was pretty good. Didn't sell a lot uh, as far as my art goes. In fact, I didn't sell any art, but I did sell some jewelry. Uh, feedback ranged from painting has it takes zero. Uh, talent, which uh, that's that's fine, all the way to uh, you know what I assume is this little girl having a very good understanding of what I'm about. Whenever she said, <clears throat> "They're fire demons," talking about my artwork, they're fire demons, and they'll bite me. That kid gets it. Kids going places. So, uh, there's that. <laughs> uh, Brother Hatfield uh, was wheeling and dealing with some kid for his hat. His coonskin hat. So, now he looks like Scott Farkas with a beard. Uh, if you've ever seen Christmas Story. So, that's, that's always good. Uh, my youngin did a lot of work that day. <clears throat> Real proud of him. But, uh, it was a good time. It was like a big family reunion. I got to see... Um, you know, Travis, who's my best friend from back home, and it was just an all-around good time. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about some stuff that, <laughs> it's, I think it's a good time. Um, we're going to be talking about Injured Cold, and we're going to be talking about the Crossroads, too. Uh, let's talk about the Crossroads first, that way we can get that out of the way. So, 
normally whenever we talk about the crossroads, people usually imagine a literal road. And that's usually what would be used. Uh, you know, Robert Johnson, you know, selling the soul of the crossroads to the devil to, to be able to play guitar well. Um, they, those those type of, of ideas are really, <clears throat> you know, what we picture. And that's fine. That's That's traditionally what we're talking about. These days, going out and doing a ritual at the crossroads is... <laughs> It's a little dangerous. Most crossroads are paved, it seems like. And uh, and to be honest with you, the, the type of crossroads we're talking about is the type of crossroad where the veil is very thin and at dusk you can go and, you know, do your ceremonies and, uh, you know, get a response. It doesn't have to be a literal road, but... Uh, this book that I'm going through right now, it's actually, it brought it up, and it's an old saying that I remember from whenever I was a kid, which is, the day is for the living, the night is for the dead. A crossroad, and how we're speaking about it, is a place where the veil is thin enough to where there's interaction there, where it, it bleeds over. So, for example, on my property... It's mostly surrounded by water. Water is a very uh, powerful conduit for any sort of um, spiritual work. So whenever we're talking about, if we look at it like a commuter train, if we're talking about the crossroads, let's say dusk is settling in. You're going to have a transition from the living going home and the dead uh, coming out to be more active. Whereas dawn, you're going to see vice versa. We're going to see the living uh, kind of bleeding in a little bit more. And uh, the, the dead going back to being uh, dormant. Or at least, uh, you know, primarily hidden. So the best time for us to do any sort of ancestry work, because as a conjurer or a root worker... We don't work with gods as much as I think some people think. A lot of the work we do is through ancestors. A lot of cultures used to talk about, you know, we don't have direct contact with the gods. Our, our contact is through the dead, through ancestors, through land whites, or, or uh, you know, even house whites. So there would be a lot of you know, leaving offerings to these land spirits or house spirits or what have you. For me, ancestry is definitely a huge part of what I do. Working with the ancestors is, a, is primarily my practice. It's what originally led me to the path that I've been for the last, oh God, 11 years, 11, 12 years. And then even now, it's it's just, it keeps drawing me closer in. So now, instead of working primarily with higher beings, as you would think of them, I work primarily with my ancestors. 
over the course of the last year, that's really gotten to be my primary source of, of working. So whenever you go to a crossroads or you find a crossroads that is a place where there's activity where it bleeds over, a lot of the time uh, you're going to want to, you know, seek to, to pay first. If you take anything, you should always pay. Before I take any sort of root or any sort of plant, I usually leave an offering. Uh, sometimes I'll have like a little piece of candy or something, uh, that I'll bury. That's kind of a, um, an offering payment. It's kind of like if you go to a graveyard, um, for example, we took, we went down to a graveyard out behind the church in town a couple weeks ago and we were going to get a little bit of graveyard dirt, right? problem with that is a lot of people just come and just take the shit. This is a really old graveyard. So, of course, you pay whenever you go in. We start looking around and start realizing this place probably needs a little love and care. So now we're talking about adopting the this, this little, you know, graveyard. And start to, I mean, some of the stones are knocked over. We're talking about putting those back in. We're talking about, you know, scrubbing them up real nice and, and cleaning up around them. That way, you know, the grass isn't overgrown. It looks like it hasn't been touched uh, much at all. And there's broken beer bottles and, broke, and, you know, stomped cans and all this. So we cleaned it up a little bit. And then we also paid for the dirt. Whatever you take, it needs to be paid for. Nothing is free. That's something that I think a lot of people want to try to get by with. But if you're working with your ancestors or you're working with any sort of spirit, you're going to have to understand that if you're, if you're wanting them to do something, they have to be paid. It's just like anybody else. You know, I know a lot of people do shit for free. I know a lot of people... Um, e even me, I'll do stuff for free because I have the ability to, however, I usually take donations and whether that be, you know, a meal or whether that be, uh, some other good, uh, goods that somebody can trade off. Sometimes it's crafting supplies, whatever it is, I usually end up getting paid regardless, but you know, you can, you can go and not pay, <laughs> but the odds of things working out better or worse when it comes to spirits is a whole other thing, especially if you're, if you're working with your ancestors, because there has to be some sort of reverence there. There have to, there has to be some sort of respect. And a lot of people don't respect, uh, what they're working with like they should. So if you're going to use or are going to work with your ancestors, you're going to need to essentially, you know, pay for the work. And then you're going to, if you're going to, if it's going to be constant work, you're going to want to maintain that payment. And you're going to want to do that at the crossroads. So 
The reason I wanted to talk about that today is because it kind of goes along with that ancestor veneration we talked about a couple weeks ago. And I feel like it's a it's an important topic to go over because you know people have talked to me now about starting up their own um, little altars and things of that nature, and I think that's good. That's a that's a good start for sure. But if you're going to continue to work with them and you want to go to the crossroads to do so, you don't have to go find a literal crossroad, but you do need to find a spot that kind of bleeds over. And this is the perfect time of year for that. It's important, though, that you need to show respect. If there's, if there's garbage and shit around, make sure you clean that up. Make sure that you're, you're not leaving anything uh, other than your payment. And bury the payment. Um, if you're making any sort of mojo bag or any sort of, you know, you know, whatever you want to call it, gree-gree, whatever the case is, and you're going to bury it for three days or three nights, you want to make sure that, um, that it's well taken care of, the, the spot that you're, ta you're putting it, and that you continue to clean it up because that's going to be a sign of respect, and that's also probably going to be better off on your end as far as the work they're doing. So with that out of the way, let's talk about what we initially came here to talk about, and that's injured cold. So November 2nd, 1966, I've actually got notes for this shit <laughs> because there's a lot to take in. The reason, we're not going to go into a big story about it. There's nothing too amazing about this, but it is, it kind of bleeds over into the Mothman shit. It's it's often forgotten about. And I don't know how the hell people forget about it, but it usually is somewhere between the damn Flatwoods Monster and Mothman. There, there's, there's this, um, there's this guy named Indrid Colt. But there's also a lot of misconceptions about it. But I always found it interesting, so I figured we'd talk about it. I tried to do a little research on it. Um, I never got to read uh, the Lanulos book. Uh, I know his daughter, the, the guy that had contact, his daughter had also written a book. And I, I haven't got a chance to read hers either because I wanted to read his first. And that's something that I'm going to continue to look into because I want to get a copy of that book. And then I'm going to um, see if I can get a copy of hers. So there's a fellow named Woodrow Derenberger, right? And he's a salesman that sells sewing machines. You know, this is in 1966. So this is... <clears throat> a relatively, um, you know, normal thing for door-to-door -door salesmen, you know, selling Tupperware, selling uh, vacuum cleaners, in this case, selling sewing machines. And uh, he was on his way home on Route 77 going to Mineral Wells, West Virginia. So, as he's driving, one of the sewing machines gets a little loose back there, and he decides that he's going to pull over to the side a little bit. Um, just so people can pass over next to him. And he's going to get back there and he's going to fix it. 
Well, he does. That's his first stop. You know, he gets stopped again here in a second. He fixes everything and puts it back into place, locks everything down, gets back in the car. And from my understanding, there wasn't anything behind him at that point. But as soon as he gets back on the road, he sees these lights that are coming up on him, and then they go around him and stop. So he stops again. The vehicle, if you will, is a long cigar-shaped vehicle, right? Gentleman gets out. He's got a dark complexion, beady little eyes that are that are spaced out, and he had this this grin on his face that never seemed to leave. He's got this this long coat on, and he's got a green uh, metallic like suit. So as he's going to uh, come up to the car. Darren Berger notices he's got his hands tucked into his armpits, like crossed and, and tucked in like he's cold. Now, the misconception is he walks up to the car and says, I'm injured cold. But he doesn't actually say that. He walks up to the car and he says, I'm cold. So the idea was, that's where the idea comes from, that his name was Injured Cold. But I'm pretty sure... <laughs> That he just told him it was cold. And it was November, so I mean, I can see that. I mean, it was wet that day. It had been raining. So I, I can see that. But a lot of the people that kind of blow it out of proportion, there's a couple of things they blow out of proportion about just this initial meeting. One, the name. Two, they say that the grin goes, and if you look up pictures, it's this huge, wide grin. But it was really just the guy was grinning. So, the thing that Darren Berger noticed, though, was that he wasn't moving his mouth. He started to talk to him telepathically. So, Darren Berger was freaked the fuck out. Um, there was a couple of... <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know. I'm an awkward motherfucker, so I'd probably say something along those lines. But there's a couple of things that was odd about Colt. For one, he said that he was he was a flesh and bone. Right? He tried to reassure Darren Berger that it's okay, I'm flesh and bone like you. So that that's kind of odd. <laughs> Don't worry. I've got skin. Don't worry, I bleed. But pretty much what ends up happening is in the story, the way the story goes, he tells him that he's going to um you know, he'll you know, he'll keep in contact. And he does. He uh, telepathically keeps contact with him for like 50 years. And every once in a while, 
Derenberger would go missing for quite a while and then come back and I, it's like he would be out with cold. Like they're out here getting fucking shit faced or something. You know, you know what I mean? Like it's it's weird. It's a it's a weird situation. But he did a psych evaluation and everything came back just fine. At one point, he gets John Kill, who's the guy that wrote the Mothman uh, prophecies, and he that's where the Mothman bleeds over into the situation. So he calls up or he gets a hold of uh John Kill and John Kill uh you know documents and everything and actually in the book from my understanding he writes the foreword to the book uh to the Lan Lanulos book which is supposed to be the planet where Indrid Cold actually comes from. I keep burping, Jesus Christ, excuse me. So, John Kill said that he had actually had phone conversations with Cold. Although he's pretty convinced that it was a third party, for sure. Um, the thing that I find odd, though, is that the daughter has also had dealings with Cold. And even at Woodrow Derenberger's funeral, Cold showed up and that he was there but nobody n knew who he was um, now I know how weird that is whenever somebody you know shows up at a funeral that, that nobody knows who the fuck they are uh, my uncle Sam whenever he died uh yeah, there was there were some guys from uh, Michigan plates uh, came in, took their their hats off, uh, laid a rose on his chest uh, with their with their big ass suits on, and then left. Uh, we ain't gonna speculate who that was or or why that was. That's none of my business. And if if you know anything. If you know, you know. <laughs> Just put it that way. It's best not to speculate. But apparently he was at the funeral and uh, paid his respects and everything. Walked up to the casket. So, the question is, was Wood, uh, Woodrow a uh, fucking psychotic uh, person or... Did he did he have a psychotic break because of of you know maybe he he got tired of selling fucking sewing machines? Apparently he was in perfect mental health. Then the question also becomes where the fuck would he go whenever he would disappear? There's a lot of questions surrounding this whole story that I feel like needs to be investigated more. There have been other cases, too, in New Jersey and other places where uh, similar things have happened. So, uh, if you're into this sort of thing, I would suggest you looking more into it. For me personally, uh, I'm going to be picking up the books and I guess we'll do a, a book review of that.
think we're going to cut out the show early today. Uh, just kind of doing a short episode to kill off, uh, kill off this, and uh, and just really, oh, I wanted to finish out the season that way we can start. You know, uh, it's about that time, anyways. We've been doing this for a little over a year now, and we've gotten, you know, three thousand listens without me promoting the shit. I quit tagging stuff a long time ago. I quit trying to get stuff out there a long, long time ago. Uh, you know, we've kind of grown quite a bit just out of word of mouth. <clears throat> I appreciate you guys telling your friends and, you know, folks checking on that, uh, checking out the podcast and sending them messages saying what the podcast has meant to you. It's meant just as much to me, trust me. And, uh, you know, I've had a blast doing it. Can't wait to start getting into a new, <clears throat> into a new um, season. Hopefully, we'll be able to keep it on track better. Finally, starting to get over being sick. Got a little bit of a cough, but I've been down and <laughs> I've been down in goddamn cough syrup all day, so I could do this. So, hopefully, that'll be. The end of the sick shit. I'm, I'm, I'm getting sick and tired of this, literally and figuratively. Uh, I've been sick for a little over a month. It's just been one thing after the other. But no COVID, so that's the good news. And I don't go out enough to be around people. <laughs> that's that's always a plus in my book, though. <clears throat> it's not that, it's not that I don't like people. People. Right, it's that I get tired of the bullshit. <laughs> so if I can, if I can avoid people, I'll do it. You know, I get tired of all the the politics and the the assholes who who are entitled to shit. I get tired of all of it. But luckily, I found that we've kind of built up a community where that stuff isn't getting involved, and if it is. You know, it's not enough for for it to really make too much of a a dent in anything. It's not slowing us down. We just kind of pass over those people. So, I'll catch you guys next time. Uh, probably within the next couple weeks. We'll get everything together and figure up some new topics. And we'll probably post that on social media. Let you know what. Uh, what shows we're going to be working on and that'll give me enough time to sort out the information because especially if I'm doing something where I have to investigate it myself or I have to look into it myself I'd like to like to be able to sit down and uh, you know research it a little bit but with that said I'll catch you guys next time